Dominique was hanging out with Dan, by the way, today. I don't know if you saw that, Mina. <laughs> really? <laughs> Dominique on vacation in Miami. Yeah, working with my, uh, my next employer instead of doing the show that I'm here to do with you because, A, you're the perfect person to do my last show with. Oh. Um, and also because Dominique's just a delinquent. <laughs> yes. Up. Dominique is the notoriously unreliable one in this trio. It's definitely Dominique <laughs> and not... Definitely not, not me. Not, not me you. at all. Um, a couple of quick things. So, yes, this is my last show. Um, I'm not going to do a whole emotional farewell thing. I've been doing that on ESPN Daily like all week, Alabaster. So I just want to say up front, I'm going to very cravenly tell you to go to PabloTorre.com. <laughs> top he does it at the top and i thought you wait till the end no the emotions will be there they'll be there i your feel like that's the way to do this to using your espn platforms to promote your next job is is truly impressive <laughs> um and i do I, I would echo that though people should subscribe i i am a subscriber yes thank you thank you lenny will be freed at some point soon alabaster you too will be freed some point soon from i i'm also a subscriber and I don't know if Mina's gotten her invite yet, but we are having a Pablo goodbye party next Monday after you're gone to celebrate. Um, okay, that, that actually does even jokingly sting. Yeah. Um, should we talk about the final four? Yes, I got right. takes. I Let's think. do it. So the final four is this weekend, and um, starting with the men's field, would you take UConn or the field? So I am glad that UConn is doing this. Like we are in the final four. That is the least final four-y that anyone can remember. It's all of these like would-be Cinderella's, San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, right? UConn, of course, the field. I mean, this is, and Miami, by the way, shout out to the University of Miami. You should always shout out South Florida, I guess, at this point. But the point is UConn is not just the best team in this tournament, Mina. They're also the one that could plausibly feel like Goliath. And so yeah. I want to prop them up to be absolutely the odds on favorite, just so I can root against something in a field that doesn't feel like that is even possible objectively. It's weird, right? Because like when you sit back and you look at UConn's historical record compared to some of the other Goliaths, the, you know, Kentuckys, the Dukes, the Gonzagas or whatever, you, UConn stacks up like their record stacks up with everyone. But I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's been so long or not even that long, but it's been a while since they were here. It, it feels doesn't like it. quite feel like they're a Goliath, even though they are a Goliath. Going into this tournament, Ken Palm's efficiency ratings loved UConn. Everything told us that UConn should be here. But I, I don't I feel like they didn't get that same inevitability treatment that we usually give to the blue chips no. in, the, in the NCAA tournament. No, admittedly, everything I'm saying here is to convince myself to watch this with like something like what I am normally into, right? I'm here to root against the team that is, yeah. I mean, Alabaster has been making this argument on this show that like this run that UConn has been on, if you zoom out, is actually wildly impressive. Like in terms of dynastic programs, it is absolutely up there with all of the teams you mentioned, Gonzaga, kind of you to include. But I think like all of the blue blood teams, <laughs> but, but they have been more recently, the Goliath, um, yeah, which has been a telling indictment, way, yeah. by the way, of the NCAA. Without the success, yeah. Exactly, of the storyline. Yeah. We've been searching for one. We have been searching for Goliath. We've been getting Gonzaga. And now we get UConn. 
And so the point is like, Jim Calhoun was the guy who was the patriarch, the old crusty man running this entire thing. And now it's, you know, a Hurley bro, which is another dynastic sort of a figure. The Hurleys are a basketball family. But yeah, they're up against all these all these schools that have never been here before. And yeah. they have. And so therefore, we are going to make them into the big bad. And, and there are also other reasons to root for Miami, other than the fact that it's... Um the location of your future employer. You can learn more at pablo.show. Um, no, it, uh, they're fun to watch offensively. They try all kinds of crazy stuff. I love watching Jordan Hawkins. Isaiah Wong, yes. grandfather. I looked this up. <laughs> I think a quarter, <laughs> a quarter Chinese, I think. You know, as soon as I saw box, that name. We are. We both did, Mina. Yeah, we, we do, absolutely yeah, both yeah. did. So, you yeah, know, I have successes. screenshotted that very biographical <laughs> fact to multiple people. <laughs> Um, but I will also say I find UConn likable. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I find this to be a, a fairly likable UConn team. Um, I also expect them to win, frankly. I mean, just to talk about the basketball side of this, obviously their their original question was UConn versus the field. The reason we can ask that question is because of the, as you mentioned, nature of the field. These are not quite Cinderella's. I guess the nine seed is is down there, but um, they are very inexperienced teams. UConn, it, it feels like things are playing out for UConn to dominate UConn is incredibly balanced. They're the best. They're, I mean, in this no, matchup in particular, the best team in the field. Yeah, they're they come into this as the best rebounding team, and they've got this huge size advantage against Miami. Plus, Damasinogu is their big. One of my actual favorite stories in the tournament has been that he has been fasting for Ramadan. Mm. Um, He's from Mali originally. I think it's really, I mean, he, literally in some of these games, he has not eaten or drink, drunk water during the day, which I think is bonkers. Well, Pablo, this game is at 7 p.m. Pacific. So <laughs> your boy's going to be juiced up. <laughs> he, he is, he, I mean, maybe not digesting, but and he played incredibly despite that. So one can only imagine how dominant he's going to be against Miami in this one. Yeah. I mean, the color of his pee is going to be a remarkable solid. It's going to be the color of the border of the show that we're currently on. That is what this dude's urine is going to look yeah. like. There are three players on, sorry, not to like make too much of the story, but I find it fascinating. And I really mean, cool. no, let's not make too much of the fact that some people aren't eating and drinking while also making a run to the NCAA championship. No, let's make a big deal of this. I actually, I think in against Gonzaga and, and part again, part of the reason we're so high on UConn is they totally like, Miami had to come from behind against Texas. UConn obliterated Gonzaga Everyone. in part because been um, totally Sergio was amazing, and I think he, he because of that one, the timing of it, he got to eat at halftime. He had like ate some bananas at halftime. But um, three players are fasting for Ramadan. I read his article in the New York Times this week. Uh, you can't root against UConn. Come on, jump no, on I, board. Let's root for the I, big bad. <laughs> I love so I love one thing about this Miami matchup is that there's this scout who said, quote, Miami's superpower is that they play like they don't give a which is which is a real Dominique Foxworth sort of an energy to bring to a basketball floor. Um, and I do appreciate that. But I am I'm curious, like UConn, you I don't think I can root for UConn, but I feel like you have a certain sentimentality with this program in ways that I don't fully I don't really understand. I have I have good memories of UConn. Um, 
So the not the last championship, but the previous one was 2004. You remember that yes. team, of course. Yeah. Okafor, Ben yes. Gordon. Um, so that was my freshman year at college. Mm-hmm. I, the end of my freshman year at college. Right, Connecticut. And, um, yes, you were in yeah, Connecticut Yeah, I went to college well. in Connecticut. I went to <laughs> Yale. Um, and the night that they won, I remember we were all watching. And one of my, you know, harebrained friends was like, let's go party at UConn. And we were, we we're all immediately <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we got to, how many times do you get to party after national championship? So uh, our idiot crew all piles into a car, driving up north from New Haven. We get out at the campus, we're walking around. It's like not as crazy as you'd think it would be the night your college won a national championship. You know, that's in the yes. middle of nowhere, but like, but well, you're going to live the movie. So, you're going to live the movie right, what we're, college we're gonna, is supposed to be like. We, right, which, of course, when you, when you go to school like Yale, you have to vicariously live athletic, great athletic accomplishments at other at nearby schools. Eventually, we find, like, uh, the one frat. We're looking for a fraternity. We find one. Uh, and it's kind of like everybody. It's like, God, there's, like, a lot more hipsters at UConn than I thought. <laughs> and the night's going on. And, That's you know, surprising. we're trying to get people juiced up. And nobody seems to care that much. We're like, shot, you know, everybody, let's t- let's celebrate shots, whatever. Eventually, though, you know, it, it, things the night goes on. And it, it becomes fun as nights are fun when you're in college for various reasons. So we're finally leaving. And we're like, well, you know, that was a little disappointing. But we made the most of it. And on the way out, we see a sign that says, welcome to Wesleyan. (laughs) 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 We were at Wesleyan, which is about 30 minutes north of New Haven. Stories, I think, is farther. So uh, I think that story, rather than disparaging UConn or Wesleyan, disparaging Yale education more than anything. A couple of things. Number one, that Wesleyan ranks as a party school compared to Yale is also true number two it reminds me of the time i tried to get a real college experience by taking the bus to wellesley <laughs> oh, God. and and Those encountered girls, you know? yeah it, it, couldn't even say honestly didn't go the way that the movie version of my life was supposed <laughs> to go either yeah. and i went to the right school in that <laughs> particular evening god oh, anyways yeah, there's, a, there's like, my you UConn analysis <laughs> It's like oh, these Yukon kids are really like into you know, skinny jeans, um, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're really into like um, Dostoevsky instead of, you know, Ben Gordon. It's weird. Having a long conversation about the dismemberment plan with someone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. What's next? All right, guys. More college basketball. How confident are you that South Carolina will keep going <sighs> against Caitlin Clark and Iowa? Mm. So, so why are you grunting? Why are you grunting when Alabama? Because I'm says so this? pumped for this game. I mean, Me with all due respect to the Sun and SDSU in Miami, this is the the matchup that when you when you saw the bracket, you saw how it was laid out, everybody hoped it would happen, and it's happening. It's it, it's it's like so. The whole like talk of ratings and how like Caitlin Clark has now beaten the rating of every NBA game on ESPN this season is both very funny and also like correct. I am so much more excited to watch <laughs> Caitlin sorry. Clark than any regular season NBA game. Um, and I say that as somebody who loves the NBA because Caitlin Clark is everything to me. She is somebody who is not just like leading the nation in assists and is an unapologetic scorer. She is an unapologetic <laughs> talker. 
Yes. Like, the whole thing of like, I need to lip read her and how she is talking to opponents and she is doing the John Cena thing. Like she is the face of March Madness and it's not close. Yeah. And of course she's backing it up with these like outrageous performances for those who have not been lucky enough to watch. Um, she's responsible for, I think in the last game, it was like 75% of her team's offense, some absurd number. Right. She uh, pulled off the first, here you go, in the Elite Eight, the first 40-point <laughs> triple-double, men or women, in yes. the history of the tournament. It is remarkable to watch and it is especially exciting because now she goes up against a team in south carolina that has been squashing teams on defense i mean they we're talking about how like i guess uconn's the kind of the closest thing to a blue chip south carolina is goliath in this tournament they won last year they look even better than they did last year you return players like you know Aliyah boston who's their best player obviously don staley's the head coach cooks there like they're they're so good at everything in the last game pablo it was like the closest a team has come to competing with them it was maryland and they were winning by eight at halftime right yep. it was like oh in the first quarter they were up because they were playing aggressive defense but like it, it, South Carolina feels inevitable. So we're about to see what happens when, you know, Rock meets a hard place. I cannot wait. Yeah. So you, I mean, so South Carolina, I'm going to say UConn, but South Carolina, actual Goliath here, 36 and 0 this season, five of their wins by single digit margins. They blow out everyone. And the whole hypothetical we had in the last topic about would you take UConn or the field was actually a question South Carolina or the field before the tournament started and Vegas favored South Carolina. And so, yes, they win games by an average, yeah, of 29.5 points a game, which is real big, like you guys are playing out of your weight class kind of stuff. And Aaliyah Boston is the defensive player of the year and Don Staley is the coach of the year. And Aaliyah Boston, by the way, is going to be pissed that she is not the person who won the award that Caitlin Clark just won, National Player of the Year. Like, there is going to be juice here. There's going to be tension. And the fact that Iowa is a two-seed and was misseeded, frankly, by the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is exactly enough, David, for me to feel like I'm going to root for Caitlin Clark to do what feels like an actually impossible thing and beat Don Staley. South Carolina has an 82-game streak of holding their opponents below their scoring average. The first two games in the tournament and the teams that they played scored both below 45 points. Caitlin Clark just scored 41 points on her own. Like something has to give. I'm so curious, Pablo, to see how uh, South Carolina approaches Caitlin Clark defensively yes. because yes. part of the reason she's, you know, she's ex extremely good and extremely bold passer as well. So if they really go out of their way to trap her. You know, she is very good at feeding her teammates the ball for open threes. Yeah, how they game plan against her in the way that like, look, the Steph Curry comparison here um, is, is limited, but absolutely fascinating in this regard. Like teams, when they played Davidson, um, they would go like box and one, they would do everything. They would hold the ball. Oh, yeah. They would do every janky thing to stop Steph. And yes, Caitlin Clark in that way is absolutely that kind of a player. And the other thing, by the way, that I find amazing about Caitlin Clark and with, which is unfortunate for the WNBA, she's coming back. Like she can't go to the WNBA just yet. And by the way, she's not even financially incentivized to, because I'm sure she's going to make so much money off of NIL if she is not yeah. already off of this. So the good news is that I believe the W, I believe 
the women's NCAA tournament specifically has a shot of doing this again <laughs> next March, outrating the NBA, which is a like I hate TV ratings as a proxy for like actual real like you know substance, but in this very superficial way, it is an unfathomable thing that we're just gonna become numb to if she just stays and is this good. Catch the tournament on ESPN. Uh, no, it, it's honestly like probably the sports event that I've been looking forward to the most since the NFL season ended. Like I, I am I so it. pumped for this particular game. Um, I've got South Carolina. Like, so just to kind of, I, you know, I thought about it a lot. I think it, for me, it comes down to when I was watching South Carolina against Maryland, which is a really interesting game. And like I said, the, the Maryland did give them a game in the first quarter, the depth of South Carolina is what's so terrifying. Like mm. you have people coming off of the bench who would undoubtedly be starters on probably Iowa, frankly, like, but oh, yeah. most other teams and the way that they're able to exhaust you with that, I, it, it's even running into like a supernova Nova, like Caitlin Clark. It, it's just hard for me to imagine this particular South Carolina team crumbling at the end. I just love that no matter what happens, you know, Caitlin Clark's going to go down, like taking these shots that just feel unconscionable for everybody else yeah. but her. And that kind of oh, that kind of thing, Alabaster, like this is like the whole thing of like, there is no amount of grading on a curve here. This is not a social cause. I'm just saying, if you want to watch a fun basketball game, you've been missing out. And that's what, again, those stupid ratings are actually validating. Yeah, I mean, this is Pete Maravich all over again. Someone yes, who's that is so absurdly comparison. dominant in college. Did you guys ever watch um, Pistol Pete, the movie about Pete Maravich? There was a movie about it. It's called Pistol Pete. It was really big in the Kimes household because growing up, we only rented movies from the library because we were like too cheap <laughs> to go to Blackbuster. I probably, my brother and I probably watched Pistol Pete like 30 times. Anyways. Oh, my God. I imagine yeah. the actor who played Pistol Pete didn't get a lot of work other than playing Pistol Pete. But I'm gonna IMDb this in the meantime. I don't remember, but we used to reenact the ending when they go pistol, pistol. Okay. Oh my God. Anyways. All right, guys. So Harry Connick Jr. Huh. That was Her Pistol Pete. Oh, he was the narrator. No, yeah. Who played Pistol Pete? It wasn't Harry Connick. <laughs> Alabaster, proceed. I'm gonna find out. Sorry. Where, All right, guys. I well, I realized we're Peter. we're talking about baseball and basically. Going from the NCAA tournament to baseball, we are we're around the horn. So buy or sell. Major League <laughs> Baseball's pitch clock. What are you buying? What are you selling, Pablo? I'm buying that this is, I mean, I'm not here to look for ways um, in which Rob Manfred's epitaph is gonna be like friendlier to him. Um, I didn't come into this looking to do that, but this is absolutely the stakes of it. It is yeah. the commissioner's legacy on the line. And it's Mina. It's just one of the bolder moves that any professional sport has actively experimented with in the, season. The commissioner's legacy? Seriously? Kimes, you're up. Oh, my God. I've never seen him use that before. Have, did you create the, that just because the, you saw we were talking about truly college basketball and baseball today? I hate, or? Yes. I hate that. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen it Could have done a better reality impression. <laughs> I feel like Pablo. I don't, I'm not gonna do that. Was, that was risky. even worse. <laughs> risky, risky behavior. Um, yeah, I have yet to see an argument against the pitch clock other than, oh, the joy of baseball is being bored. <laughs> <laughs>
I literally, that's the only argument I've seen is like, oh, in the hubbub of everyday life, it's nice to just sometimes feel like your time is being wasted. Noticing the smell of the hot dogs in the air, the breeze, you lose your focus for a little bit. Like, everybody agrees this is good. Nobody has a good argument. No, you're right. The argument is always, I mean, the the most honest argument against it is I like to not pay attention to baseball while watching baseball. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. And I'm like, I like to not have every game I watch the length of an Avatar sequel. That is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, James Cameron needed all three and a half. I mean, it's all those whales. Like I could use another hour just of the whales. Um. The only thing I actually thought I would have been nervous is if if it actually, I don't know, affected the pitchers. Like if they if, if pitchers were like, yo, this is too much, too fast. We're really struggling with it. They all seem fine. Like, I honestly, they, they seem fine with it. Maybe a couple, you know, there's a few guys who I think it affects more than others. But for the most part, it has, it, all of the players seem to, not all of them, but enough of them seem to be on board with this to justify uh, a change that has resulted in games being on average like 26 minutes shorter, which is incredible, oh, right? It, it, like, it's I, monumental. I, it, 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 to shave a half hour off of a three hour plus product is monumental. I guess they could have shaved off like 30 minutes from the beginning when they're in the forest and you're learning about um, the the Navi's family. It's like, all right, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of exposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still I still don't know why James Cameron chose. Um, you know, the uh, most SNL ready to go parody of a character to be the only human being (laughs) that he cast in a world of otherwise impeccable CGI that felt like a technological oversight for Spider. Yeah, Um, Spider who dresses like like an ump kind of to bring it back to baseball. (laughs) Um, No, 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 okay, so, but yeah, so this is good. Uh, I'll just kind of spread broaden this a little bit. The vibes around baseball now feel pretty good generally, right? I mean, I this agree. is one of several changes, including banning the shift, which is whatever. More offense is good. That's fine. Bigger bases. Again, more guys stealing bases is cool and good. The day before opening day, uh, the uh, minor league the minor leaguers announced that they had a deal to unionize that their wages were going up. Like it, it, you got exciting young players around the league. Like, it, I don't know. I, this, all of these things together for me have created an atmosphere that when you compare it to last year or the previous year, it, it feels like the league is in a much better place and it's been in a while. Yeah, no doubt. And the whole like sales pitch of this, and this is why I think it's very funny to imagine like all these baseball players, the pitchers going home and being like, oh, God, they're making me speed up, um, you know, on the mound and it sucks. And like all of their friends and family are like, oh, no, they're going to be two hours and 30 (laughs) minute games. Oh, no. And they're like, wait a minute. Um, It's because like the other part of the sales pitch is that when you speed it up and you get the bigger bases and you ban the shift, like you also get something that's more familiar to old people. Like the whole bloat of a baseball game really is an increasingly modern phenomenon. And the idea that you're going to move runners around, that you'll hit for contact, like that is the 80s. And baseball in that way is trying to sell things that can do the rare. I I, Again, maybe (laughs) I don't know what in America can be sold to both old people and young people at the same time, like Major League Baseball is currently threading the coward's needle on, right? Like they're somehow playing to two bases. And so far I find them both compelling sales pitches. A hundred percent. Is there anything 
in your life that you feel like you could use a clock for? Like you would, maybe you would resist it at first, but if you were really honest with yourself, you feel like would help help you. So I had specifically this conversation with myself and then I got a Japanese toilet and that fixed oh, everything. God. If except my legs would go numb and I'd be like, I have to lean over and it's just like, I can just press a button. I can just press a dab button and everything is fixed. My, my length of game, Mina, has been cut in half. And my body is better for it in every way. Unlike baseball fans, nobody wanted to hear that. Nobody's happy <laughs> with that revelation. No one. No, zero people. If I leave debatable audience with nothing more than just the <laughs> reminder to go get a Japanese toilet, my legacy, my legacy, my epitaph will be secure. Hmm. Well done. Um, all right. Facts. Let's move to the draft, and we were going to talk about Weird Will Levis, but we're going to talk about Anthony Richardson in his pro day today where he did a really cool backflip. He threw a ball off the ceiling. Off the actual ceiling, his arm is that big. And uh, question, did Anthony Richardson's pro day make you think he could actually go 1-1? Mina, can I just ask you if you think that the arm talent exhibited by hitting the ceiling – is, that feels like a false flag operation to me. That feels like performative, like you yeah, intend to hit the ceiling. Oh, to yeah. Prove that you can hit the ceiling. This was not like, whoopsie. Oh, no, it slipped and <laughs> went so 75 yards. <laughs> yeah. No, afterwards, uh, he like basically admitted it, Pablo, because he, he talked, he, I think he said that um, Levis, he heard Levis did it. So there's a little bit of gamesmanship, mm. friendly gamesmanship between, because they're the two guys, you got Bryce Young and CJ Stroud who are, I think are kind of viewed as the more polished prospects. Richardson and Levis are the ones that people have been putting head to head as guys who might need to sit for a little bit. Uh, and also guys who have cannons, right? Like when we talk about arm, who has the strongest arm in the draft, it's usually between those two. Uh, I will say though, to go back to the question, unlike Will Levis, I do think it is actually realistic that Anthony Richardson goes first overall for, for a number of reasons. Mm. I think when a team like Carolina makes that kind of jump, to the first overall pick, um, it feels like a big swing, kind of like what San Francisco did, you know, a few years ago, yeah, trading out for Trey Lance. Also, is a risk, like what San Francisco <laughs> did. Um, and on top of that, you know, again, I think there's this feeling around the NFL that it's really hard to compete with the Mahomeses, the Allens, the Herberts of the world if you don't have a quarterback who's toolsy. And Anthony Richardson, if nothing else, is very toolsy. Well, I do love that we are just making metaphor literal, right? Like we're it's it's about ceiling with him. And it is yeah. actually that. Um, this was the smart marketing of Anthony Richardson um today. Um, but I guess what I'm curious about is what's changed in the evaluation of him. Because the toolsiness, I, I feel like that has only been corroborated and expanded upon. But like I'm listening to like our smart friends like Nate Tice, and I'm 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 trying to understand what you think about him now, actually, having thought about him more. And I'm like, what has been surprising about what is new in his scouting report? I think when you spend time because the traits leap off the film, you don't have to be the scout. Like you could just put on you could even have never watched football, you could put on Florida Tate and be like, yo, that guy can do things that other people cannot do. You know, he he passes the alien test. But when you put on his tape and you actually like go into the games, um, a few other things jump out. There's issues to be sure, like very inconsistent accuracy um, that really 
it, it, it is going to be a thing, especially his first year in the NFL. But the other, you start noticing more nuances to his game the more you watch. Um, I would say just a few things like his pocket presence, his ability to maneuver in the pocket and evade sacks, his quarterbacking ability, you know, his accuracy issues. Uh, and Dan and I talked about this Dan NFL live really have a lot to do with his mechanics, his footwork being all over the place. But when you watch him, you can see, Oh, he he's trying to do the right thing. Like he sees the field. Well, he's not like a guy who has an inability to like process or, you know, do the things that we like eventually will need him to do as an NFL quarterback, if that makes sense in terms of his vision. And so I think that's sort of why you're probably seeing all these analysts kind of warm up to him as the draft process goes along. It's not just like, Oh wow, he's really fast. 10 days later, still really fast. It's more that when you watch him, you see little nuances to his game that you feel like it, they're, they're just glimpses at, at times, but eventually they could become the total picture. Also, his receivers dropped a ton of footballs. <laughs> <laughs> but this is but this this is where it feels like what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap between my general take of the Trey Lance and Brock Purdy story just reminded us yeah. so clearly that no one knows anything about evaluating quarterbacks, right? Like last pick of the draft and the guy you traded three high level picks for, right? Like that is in a nutshell, isolating the variable of nobody knowing anything. Anthony Richardson, what I'm trying to figure out is there's that take and then there's the take of like, okay, if that is what people think, isn't this all just coping? Isn't this all just warming ourselves into a lather to justify the fact that we really are here for the tools in this? Like the, this, how, how much of what we're saying feels like a justification for something we were going to do anyway as a collective sporting <laughs> entity versus like, I noticed this thing on tape. Yeah, well, I, I think that as much as tools are prioritized now more than they were 10 years ago, undoubtedly because of the success of some of the quarterbacks I mentioned, but you still see guys who are incredibly athletic or guys with big arms slip in the draft. Uh, last year, Malik Willis, you know, is an incredible athlete, had a right. really, really strong arm, but he didn't go in the first round uh, because there was, you know, a lot of skepticism about whether or not those tools would translate at the NFL. So, I hear you on Anthony Richardson and like, it does feel at times it's like, it's like, it, it's worrisome that the Josh Allen trajectory, you know, being so inaccurate in college and then fixing those things in the NFL, like warped our collective reins about what yes. is possible and what is likely to happen. But I do think Richardson, um, it's not just projection. I do think like you, we're seeing things on actual tape that are encouraging. Does that mean it's absolutely going to work in the NFL? Absolutely not. I mean, so many of these guys don't hit. The hit rate on first-round quarterbacks is actually not that great. Um, Correct. But if you do hit, you're good forever. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see yeah. why teams keep trying. So you're saying that, like, I've seen a couple of mocks. I think Kuiper had Richardson going to Seattle. He did, to your yeah. to your squad, and you're saying that it's not even he's not going to make it there. And are you also saying that you would like him to? Are are you the type of person who wants to take on this risk as your personal sports emotions are invested? I'm a little bit torn on that one, not because I don't believe in the potential of Anthony Richardson, but more because of one, I, I think Geno Smith is a good quarterback, and two, the opportunity costs like Seattle defense that's so lacking pass rush so because of Richardson if there's an opportunity I should say because of the fact that so many quarterbacks are going to go high 
if there's an opportunity to draft like Will Anderson out of Alabama, Jalen Carter, we'll see what happens with him out of Georgia. Obviously, the off the field issues are, are an issue, but they might have the opportunity to get like a true blue chip defensive player in the draft. It's kind of a sure thing, whereas mm. Richardson very much so is not. Yeah, yeah. Alabaster, do you do you um, have a compulsion towards not just Richardson, but also like the the guy whose name you crossed off because those muscles, yeah. all of those muscles were, were. Take 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 Richardson. He's a freak. I mean, you can take Bryce Young. You might as well draft Marquise Noel. Come on. Oh, um, I love Bryce Young. Let's move on to a final. Now you segment. say that having tanked his draft stock by standing next to him, but a final a final uh, topic for Pablo. We have a new game. You guys saw that thing with Travis Kelsey when he couldn't name all the coaches in the coaches photo. Yes. So we have a version of that. This game is called Name That Process Sixer. Pablo, <laughs> can you name these process sixers? We got a oh we got a wow back row. Wow. Okay, so this is going to be depressingly. Um, easy because obviously on the left, Jeremy Grant, shout out to you, man. You went off, you made something of your life. Talented, talented two-way player. Nerlens Noel, I once beat you. That's directly to the right. I once beat you in a game of FIFA at your apartment when you were a prospect before you even got drafted by the Sixers. Um, always love you. Joel Embiid, self-explanatory. Julia Locafor, you sped over a bridge in Philly and you were terrible. Um, that's my scouting report on him. Um, ooh, okay. This... <laughs> Wow, Rashawn Holmes. The hair looks a little different, but that's you, buddy. Um, I believe that is they is that Henry Sims? I think it's Henry Sims next to him. Um, obviously Robert Covington. I once married a couple with you in the audience at a Sixers party. That was great. Um, beneath there, that is Ish Smith, Kendall Marshall going right to left. Um, Nick Stauskas, Elton Brand, future GM of the team. Um, I forgot they had Carl Landry. That is Carl Landry, <laughs> former Rocket, Sam Hinkey employee, brought back. Um, who the f are you though? Oh, Hollis Thompson, Hollis Thompson, the other, the other, the other Georgetown guy, him and uh, Henry Sims. Um, obviously, TJ McConnell. And ooh, who the f are you? Oh, wait, no, Isaiah Cannon. Yeah, Isaiah Cannon, I remember you. Yep. And then at the bottom, Scott O'Neill, the former president, there was the owner of the team. Um, oh, you don't have to do the exact. Yeah. No. What? 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 Did you, I get it? You got them all right except for one. Who? That was not Henry Sims. That's Christian Wood. It? Who I didn't even what? know was a process sixer. What? what? Wait, go back. Wait. Christian Wood was a process sixer? He was, but I thought you're, oh my God, you know what? Oh my God, the, the, no, well, the process Top. did work. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I forgot. What? Wow. I up Henry Sims. Henry Sims. Christian I'm so what? sorry. This what is going to bother for? me. Wait, wait I'm, how did I'm that gonna end? I'm going to be bothered by this. How did that end? Hell, terribly for me. Oh, you meant, you meant, you meant Christian Wood. Yeah, I think he got released or something. He was, everybody missed on Henry, on, on Christian Wood. Damn it. Wow. Pablo going out cursing a That's lot. A bummer. I got a question for you, Pablo. How many of those players would you rather have than Ben Simmons right now? I hate you. I hate you. Ben Simmons has a back impingement. This is a physical ailment. This is not a fair season to evaluate my various takes on Ben Simmons. This is a sad way to end your tenure at ESPN. What a what a this sad is the last final thing sentence. I'm going to do is is say that you can't mock me for Ben Simmons. Is there any is there any take that you'd like to apologize for? 
Oh, yeah. I once, I once accidentally said that Mikhail and Miles Bridges were twins, and that was a big <laughs> issue that only became more problematic as the months went on. Um, that was very embarrassing. Alabaster, you remember that one? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Couldn't forget it. Yeah, and then I then I beat Mikhail Bridges in the fantasy league that we were in, Mina. Oh god, and then I, I also beat it. you. Enough. And that was that was great. That was super super rewarding for me. Um, all right. Well, Mina and I are gonna stay friends in real life. I think we're on like a group chat, so we'll probably be over there. Well, a couple <laughs> group chats, chats actually. Yeah, too many group so chats. Longer, too many group chats. Um, yeah. So many group chats. Um, so in lieu of crying, I think I'm gonna say to Mina, who has been like one of my best friends at this company, in the confines, the confines, the confines of this company, like. Mina gave me ESPN Daily. Mina has helped me promote PabloTorre.com slash Pablo.show. Just a true <laughs> friend. Um, and uh, I think the only thing that's left to do is summon back Dominique for a thing that was pre-taped because he is a terrible friend, but not that <laughs> bad a friend. So let's do that. Bye, Pablo. We'll Goodbye. miss you. I'll miss... I'll miss me too. <laughs> All right, I'm doing some time traveling for sad, happy reasons, I guess. So Ooh. it's been a great run of Debatable. Debatable's oh, not going God. away, but yeah. one part of Debatable is moving on to, I guess. You're leaving Debatable? No, I'm not leaving Debatable. I'm going to still be here carrying on oh. this torch that only barely stays lit because my <laughs> tears keep dripping into it. But we have a montage of Pablo's greatness that oh, you guys can can't appreciate with me. I can't handle it. Welcome to Debatable. It's a live TV show that's not really a TV oh, show. Oh, look at my don't hair. Don't so right, First off, I am credibly hard. Oh, a little. Oh, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> Okay. The bed. <laughs> yeah. the bed. Oh. 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 Go, Joe. Oh, yeah. Those are normal jeans. jeans. Find daddy a new slant. I would tell you to go get those jeans so we can look at them, but I'm sure those jeans are in a PTA meeting right now. Pablo's jeans need his neighbor's kids to come help him set up his Zoom calls. <laughs> Your jeans hate that football is getting soft. They throw flags on every play. Those jeans have been in so many Zoom interviews for preschools recently. <laughs> now we're looking at... Wait, hold on. I want to get me into the valley. Get me in my, in my toe valley. <laughs> Tanning your testicles. Mayonnaise has more <laughs> rings than any other condiment in condiment history. Wow. Strawberry ice cream, some balsamic on it. Some balsamic vinegar. I will invite you to celebrate with me inside of the gated community. That is people who think Ben Simmons is awesome. Here's a situation. This is a great costume. It's a terrible costume. Get DeAndre Jordan the hell out of you. What James Harden's strategy is, is to win over the parents on night one and then get so long of a leash to build all that credibility that he can just go and, yes, get his jersey this is, raised this to is, I, I'm sorry. a strip club. I'm sorry, yes. Papa. Oh, man, I stepped all over that terrible strip club joke. I told you about these strip club jokes. We've had They're enough. accurate. James Harden hates Father Time unless Father Time is the name of a strip club. That's totally fair to say. <laughs> what kind of strip club is that? We won't stop. Don't stop till you get enough, Clay. And then he was That's like, right? And then he hit him with a, I don't know. Right? Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. I love You off the wall, Clay. Clay. You're off the wall. <laughs> 
What did you say to those Celtics? Just beat it! Come on, Clay! Because you are the man in the mirror. Oh. That's all that matters. <laughs> what? Oh, oh yeah! There we go! That's what I'm talking about. The type of shift that we need. Oh. Just like a guy averaging over 30, guy averaging over 10, doing everything, being a defensive monster in ways that these advanced defensive metrics, you nerds, you damn nerds cannot adequately quantify because you need whole lineup data around box scores. Maybe one of oh, us God. is starting him in the fantasy football playoffs of the league in which the other one of us did not even make the playoffs. Yes, I um, did. No. Oh, you've been eliminated, Mina. I don't know if you we're prepared what? to hear this from me. Wait, how many people you... make the playoffs in this league? Four. <laughs> Four? <laughs> I love Dominique Fox, but I'm not afraid who hears it. <laughs> no, I mean, it all reminds me of that famous saying, right? Tomorrow, is not guaranteed. The past is history. The present, oh no, I messed it up. The present is Next a gift. Place. That's why they call it, oh no, now is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Mm, wise words. That was nice. It was emotional. I laughed the whole time. It occurs to me now that I can't do the thing I was going to do, which is say that saying because I did it on the show already. And then you played a clip of it and I it up. You could do it, though. You could do it now and do it well. OK. Um, tomorrow. No, it up. <laughs> you got worse. It up. <laughs> One word. <laughs> um, I, 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 I am feeling feelings. You're trying to have a moment. I don't want to have a moment. I, I want to make jokes and so be I want, angry. I want, I'm not I want the listener. I, I cried want the last weekend. I cried. That was the only cry I could, was allowed myself for the next 10 years. I had to go to a funeral, and I cried. And oh. that was it. I got all, all the tears from the previous 10 years, and I, I'm not on cry schedule right now. So, Pablo, don't do it. I thought that you were crying about me last weekend, and now I learned mm -hmm. that you had an actual oh, no. tragedy. No, no, that no. wasn't me. Your friend no, 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 no. See, what, what happened was... I used the funeral as part of the sadness, but it was also emptying all my other sadness. That's like, because mm -hmm. it's an appropriate time for a, a kid born in the 80s who's very toxically masculine and be like, oh, it's Absolutely. okay to cry now. Let me cry all the tears that I should have been crying up until now, including losing my buddy Pablo. Yeah, you cleared out, you cleared out the pipes. Yeah. The, which is yeah. also... Oh, the name of a strip club that James Harden loves going to. Cleared out the pipes. So is there anything you want to tell the listeners and viewers? Um, and me and Alabaster. And... I'm joining Fox News as a contributor. It's a really <laughs> tough um, thing to leave behind this show. <laughs> um, I have a sub stack. I'm hanging out with the <laughs> on the internet. Um, go www.pablo.show I'll be over there also on the internet on Twitter I hope to still bother Dominique and Charlie um, on their group chat even though it's going to be entirely disruptive um, yeah. and not at all helpful not that it was ever helpful 
but in 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 oh god i'm gonna do the thing where i say in all seriousness but no oh, look yeah, I, I just i just want everybody to realize how fun and easy this show was for me to do because i worked with friends and so charlie and megan and brian and kevin and who else is cortez making the social assets seraphine is hanging around i think in dc right who am i missing dominique besides you it's, don't put it's, me on the spot you named them okay. all all right well all of those people um it's it's absurd that we did this and i i hate that um i'm not going to be around to see it become the realest fake television show in espn history so i love you dominique foxworth and i will always love you <laughs> yeah i'm kind of sad too because i know that um not only are you not going to do this show with me anymore but we're not going to talk anymore because that tends to be what happens with adult yeah. men it's like we don't maintain relationships and you've become a good friend of mine so hopefully we can work together again one day so we can be friends again hopefully but until then see ya what they do. on sitcoms right the door closes yes all right finally got rid of him i can't wait to do this show the way it's supposed to be done oh <laughs> no. I forgot the door would open before I did that. It would be obvious what was about to happen. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. Mm.